Hi, you are tuned into the 70th edition of Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christophe in Montreal. Um, on this edition, we are going to be hearing an interview with Maria Mendoza, uh, who is working in detail to track the ways that international um, pension fund investments are linked to deforestation in Brazil. I was uh, connected to Maria's work through a very excellent international organization uh, called Grain. You can find them at grain.org. I wanted to highlight specifically this work being done to uh, link uh, the reports that we've been seeing about deforestation in Brazil, in the Amazon, and more generally to international financial infrastructure. Often events are sort of portrayed as happening only at a local level and with no context and relationship to international financial markets. I learned through Grain, um, an organization that you know we have featured before on CKUT Community Radio and here on Free City Radio, that the Quebec Pension Fund was linked to the um, realities of deforestation. Um, and so I, I thought it was really important and essential to highlight um, the work uh, that Maria has been doing on this topic. So this is our discussion here on Free City Radio. I'm joined by Maria Mendoza, who has been uh, working for quite some time to research the ways that international financial markets and investment have impacted deforestation in Brazil. Um, there's a lot of private equity firms and international uh, investment frameworks that are linked to things like the Quebec Pension Fund that have direct uh, relationship and implication. And realities that we see a lot on the news, uh, we see reported on, but we often don't understand sort of the finan financial um, infrastructure behind these these realities and respect maria for your work and keeping track of this it's so essential um hi hi <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> thank you so much um maybe first uh to start could you um just introduce yourself and uh, share a little bit about sort of the parameters of what you research and in in relation to our conversation today Yes, uh, my name is Maria Luisa Mendonça. I'm the director of the Network for Social Justice and Human Rights in Brazil. And uh, I have been uh, studying this issue of uh, financialization of land for several years. Uh, together with my colleagues in Brazil, we do academic research and uh, we also work directly uh, doing grassroots uh, organizing with communities in Brazil that are resisting land grabbing. So this term, uh, land grabbing, I think, um, is still not within the mainstream framework. Um, could you could you describe what that means, tangibly speaking? Um, because there's a lot of questions at play. There's national lands, provincial lands, indigenous lands in in, in the context of Brazil, uh, but the reality on the ground is that it's having huge uh, implications for territories that are sort of beyond the imagination in terms of the scale and the scope. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, there is this idea 
uh, it's like a neo-colonial idea that uh, the Brazilian government puts out that uh, as if as if there is all this empty land in Brazil, which is not true. Uh, you can only expand uh, agribusiness, uh, monocropping plantations of commodities if you displace rural communities that have been living in the land for many, many generations. We're talking about indigenous communities, peasant communities, quilombolas, uh, which are the Afro-Brazilian rural communities. Uh, many times uh, these communities don't have uh, titles for the land. They use the land collectively and they have been living in the land for many, many generations. So they have the right to land. And uh, this is considered public land in Brazil. So what happens many times is that uh, there are uh, local operators that fake land titles. It's a corrupt system uh, that involves notary offices and local uh, rural elites. And then they put, they, they fake land titles, they privatize the land, they displace communities, and then they put the land in the market. So they sell, for example, to uh, foreign agribusiness and financial corporations like pension funds, like uh, TAA, which is the one we have been studying, TAA, which is a US-based pension fund, but uh, TAA also receives funds from uh, other pension funds in Europe and in Canada. So this is the process that uh, we have been studying and uh, also building solidarity and resistance around that. That's um, uh, really critical information. Um, thank you. Can you uh, just describe a bit more uh, tangibly um, that connection between uh, sort of the falsification of land claims and how that actually impacts local communities. Maybe first let's start there. Like what tangibly speaking are we talking about in terms of displacement? Um, yes, because, usually, because we have, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just mentioning that because we have similar sort of mechanisms around neo-colonialism in Canada. I, not, not the same, but there's a process of, of sort of state claims of sovereignty in quotation that is extended into indigenous territories and then those territories are granted to corporations for oil and gas for example um, i realize it's not exactly the same situation but the mechanisms have some there's some mirroring uh yes uh these communities they use the land collectively uh they this is uh, where they they live they have their housing uh, they cultivate their food. Uh, they have, you know, ways of cultivating food, ecological ways that uh, it's not like they need to learn about this. This is how they have been cultivating their food for many generations. Uh, they raise small animals collectively. Uh, they have uh, medicinal plants. So, you know, that is a, a whole set of uh, cultural uh, activities that these communities practice. And uh, so that's why, uh, you know, although uh, 
there is a diversity in terms of rural communities in Brazil, the riverside communities, indigenous communities, Afro-rural Brazilian communities, but they all are considered traditional rural communities because they have a knowledge and cultural um, background that uh, connects, you know, um, all of these uh, diverse communities. And uh, so, but because they use the land collectively, they don't want to have individual land titles. So what is happening now is that because of uh, our research and our support organizing, the communities understand their rights. So they are organizing collectively to have land rights, but not individual land titles. This is not what they want because then they become more vulnerable uh, to displacement and they're forced, you know, sometimes to sell the land. So uh, they advocate for collective land rights. That distinction between individualized title and collective rights, can you underline that a bit more and why that's important? Yeah, it's important because uh, what is happening is that, uh, especially after the economic crisis of 2008 and the collapse of the housing market in the US, many large financial corporations started to speculate uh, with the price of farmland around the world. So farmland became a target for financial speculation by pension funds and other financial and agribusiness corporations. So uh, when a large fund, for example, if we talk about TAA, this very large pension fund, when a large fund, uh, you know, uh, when a large corporation creates a fund to buy farmland around the world, and Brazil is a main target, that already puts pressure on communities, right? So that is this kind of a boom in terms of you know, farmland markets. Uh, and that puts communities at risk. So by having collective land rights, uh, it's less likely that uh, an individual small farmer will be forced to sell the land for you know, different reasons. So that's why it's important to have collective land rights and not individual titles. Just the entire framework of placing uh, traditional lands into commodities markets. Um, you know, we hear about commodities markets in regards to oil, right? And that's linked to a legacy of colonialism and imperialism and violence. Can you just underline a bit more about this shift post 2008 towards placing um, collective lands through all these manipulative um, violent processes into commodities markets and just trying, wh why is this important for us to, to take notice of and to understand on a technical level? Yeah, I mean, this type of uh, uh, conflict and dispute over land and natural resources is something that is ongoing in Brazil historically. What is new about this after the 2008 economic crisis is that uh, in addition to the local uh, land grabbers, the local rural in Brazil that use violence against peasant communities, um, you have you know, large financial corporations that uh, are also operating in land markets. So that is what is 
financing the expansion of agribusiness. And this is the main reason why, for example, we see huge fires in the Amazon, the you know, huge destruction that is happening in, not just in the Amazon, but in the Brazilian Cerrado, which is the most biodiverse savanna in the world, and also the wetlands, the Pantanal. So that is a, a huge amount of environmental destruction uh, that uh, is um, it, it, the cause of this is the expansion of uh, agribusiness and monocropping plantations. But what is causing this, what is financing, the, financing this process is um, large financial corporations that are buying land and expanding monocropping plantations. Often the way that um the processes of displacement and commodification of uh, traditional territories is talked about in sort of shorthand, even from environmental groups, is there's a lot of responsibility placed on sort of uh, local companies or local actors in Brazil or the right-wing extreme government of Bolsonaro, but that connection to international financial markets is not made, therefore removing responsibility from international um, uh, you know, investors, essentially, but also the people who are connected to these funds. Uh, so could you explain why that is important to, to think about critically? Yes, uh, just to give you an example, after the 2008 economic crisis, uh, many agribusiness corporations, local uh, Brazilian corporations went bankrupt because they could not access credit. Um, and what happened after that was a set of uh, mergers, uh, not only with international agri agribusiness corporations, but with oil corporations and financial corporations. So, for example, at that time, we were looking into uh, the ethanol market and how um, large sugarcane plantations had a huge environmental impact, so ethanol could not be considered green energy. And uh, there was a merger between... Um, Cozan, which is the largest sugarcane uh, corporation in Brazil, and Shell, the Dutch oil company, Shell, that created a very large ethanol corporation. And from that, they also created a Brazilian subsidiary called Hadar, which was a new type of company, which is like a rural real estate corporation. And then we found out that the main source of funding for Hadar came from TAA, which is a pension fund based in the U.S. that also receives funds from the you know, Canadian pension funds as well. So, you know, the, the only way they could expand their uh, territorial control over land, over farmland in Brazil was because of that new wave of uh, financing coming from multinational corporations. Otherwise, you know, the Brazilian agribusiness will be, will be bankrupted. Um, so it seems this sort of like uh, international economic mechanisms for uh, displacement and of indigenous people and many other traditional um, communities, uh, Afro-Brazilian, many others, um, is related to sort of this sort 
international process, as you've explained. Um, I think often also there's this sort of understanding that with Bolsonaro maybe being voted out next year, that these processes will be halted, right? But there's a lot more complexity involved politically because of the pressure of international markets. Um, so I'm just wondering if you could talk about that a bit, just in terms of understanding the ways that there's a global framework, not just a national framework, and just thinking beyond the headlines of, you know, uh, although the PT did do some really important reforms around like indigenous land rights, there's a whole other broader context. Yes, uh, well, Bolsonaro really is giving incentives for the destruction of the Amazon and violence against rural communities. So the only way to stop that would be uh, if there is more international pressure. And uh, what indigenous uh, communities are asking for is a boycott of four commodities from Brazil, timber, beef, sugar, and soy, which is, you know, the only thing that this uh, large agribusiness uh, corporations produce. And they're all uh, foreign corporations. All the corporations that uh, uh, sell uh, industrial inputs, chemical and industrial inputs are foreign corporations and also the large trading corporations you know, that play a key role in commodity markets. So without that, you know, the agribusiness in Brazil could not expand. So it's very important, for example, in the US, when people talk about the Green New Deal, uh, if we don't look at the role of uh, US corporations overseas, we are not going to deal with climate change. We need to transform our food systems. And uh, I think, uh, in the global north, there is more awareness about the need to support ecological agriculture, small farmers, but in the global south, uh, you know, these uh, foreign corporations still um, promote plantations, the, the you know, colonial extensive plantations that are a main cause of climate change. So we're not going to deal with the environmental crisis if we don't look at the role of foreign corporations. And finally, um, can you just underline once more, um, I know you went over it uh, briefly, what is the connection between the Quebec pension fund, the US pension fund, and uh, the displacement and commodification of, of uh, rural lands and forested lands uh, in various regions of Brazil, just for people to understand their responsibility. Yes, uh, what they what these uh, corporations do, uh, basically through uh, TAA Craft, which is a large pension fund in the U.S. that receives funds from pension funds in Canada and in Europe. What they do is that uh, they buy land usually land that used to be public. Uh, so that is a process of investigation now and several land titles have been canceled. Uh, also, there is an investigation uh, by the uh, public prosecutor's office in Brazil uh, because these companies uh, violate a law, Brazilian law that limits foreign ownership of land. So they set up Brazilian subsidiaries to operate in their names, but the funding comes from these foreign corporations. So they are violating the Brazilian law. 
And uh, in order to form these new farms, uh, the main objective is control over land, but in order to justify control over land, then they expand plantations that have a huge environmental impact. They destroy uh, the forest, they destroy water sources, uh, they use um, many chemical inputs, you know, pesticides, they spray pesticides from airplanes. So there is a huge environmental impact and, of course, an impact on uh, communities that have been living in the, in the region for many generations. Thank you so much for going over all of this. Um, can you just share with us, uh, well, I know that you work with grain, uh, grain.org, but also the website of, of your organization. Yes, it's easy. It's uh, www.social.org.br for Brazil. Maria, thank you so much. Thank you. That was a conversation with Maria Mendoza, um, a Brazilian researcher, writer, and social environmental activist who's been tracking the ways that international pension funds and private equity uh, firms have been linked to deforestation in Brazil. There's a connection to the Quebec Pension Fund. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to uh, highlight this work. I learned about it through the organization grain.org. Thank you to my friend Devlin at Grain for helping facilitate this interview. This has been the 70th edition of Free City Radio. I'm your host in Montreal, Stefan Christoph. Um, we share two episodes a week. You can find us on um, Apple Podcasts, and also we uh, broadcast every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, to end the broadcast this week, I'm going to be going to a bit of music from a friend of mine, a Brazilian artist from Sao Paulo, Cesa. We'll be back next week. I hope that you have a good day and take care.
Às vezes na rua A coisa é tão crua Que eu fico sem entender Como que a vida faz tanta ferida Mas ainda faz você C-K-K-U-T-T-C-K-K-U-T-T-90.3 FM Another reliable communication channel.